Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am your host, Cody Goodwin, and joining me today, as he does after every Alabama game, it's John Talty, senior writer at 247 Sports. John, I want to first apologize about your Jets. That was a very ugly game on Sunday night. But the good news is we're headed to Atlanta here in a few weeks, so hopefully that puts a little bit of a smile on your face. Yeah, that was uh, that was a rough game. Um, <laughs> talked about recording this Sunday night, and when you asked me about it, I was like, I'm probably going to be in a bad mood because of the Jets. And uh, I would say that proved accurate. Um, it's tough, man. I don't want to bore people too much of Jets talk here, but it's tough when like you're seeing what is a very, very, very good defense just get wasted by a completely inept offense. So that's uh, it's tough. But it's life as a Jets fan. <laughs> Um, at least you've got like, you know, there's to tie it back to, to localize, right? Like the first lesson I feel like we learn in journalism. Um, there's Alabama players on that Jets defense and they play a big role. And CJ Mosley got hurt last night. And I don't know that that was the reason the Jets lost. I think, like you said, more the inept offense. But, um, you know, it is still a fun defense to watch, even if the games are just total trash. Quinn and Williams is very good. Very very good. Um, Alabama has also become a very, very, very good team. They're headed to the SEC championship game again. They clinched the SEC West with a 49-21 win over Kentucky in Lexington on Saturday. The Tide are now 9-1 overall, 7-0 and against SEC opponents. They will play Georgia in Atlanta in two weeks. The Bulldogs clinched the SEC East, and then they moved to 10-0 and and 7-0 after thrashing Ole Miss 52-17. We're going to talk a little bit more bigger picture on this show. But we'll start the, this conversation as we always do, just kind of our initial reactions from Alabama's win over Kentucky. John, what was your biggest takeaway from the Tide's eighth consecutive victory? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I came away from it was just the growing maturity of this team, you know, because I think we all wrote about it and it was all talked about after the game. Like, this is a classic trap game. I really thought they were going to come out looking kind of ugly. Uh, that's just in generally how they start games, uh, but especially road game, early start. It just felt like a sleepy start for this team. Maybe Kentucky scores early, puts a little pressure on Bama. I had, really was not concerned about Alabama losing the game, but I thought they would look ugly in the process. And while it was by no means a perfect game, I, I was impressed by how they played. I thought they really rose to the moment. Um, clearly, they heard uh, Nick Saban's message about uh, belief syndrome and all those different things. And I thought they, they played well. So to me, it was a really big step for this team and just kind of playing to that standard that we expect Alabama to play with. Uh, they didn't play down to their opponent, which I thought was important. We'll see what they do against UT Chattanooga coming up here this weekend, but I thought that it was just just a really strong performance overall in a game that I thought would probably not have that in it, you know, just because of some of the reasons that I just mentioned. Yeah, no, this this was a game where the joyless murder ball vibes kind of returned. Um, you know, they 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 scored on their first drive the first time since week one. ESPN had a great stat. They're now 52 and one in their last 53 games when they score on their first possession, Alabama. Um, so like that set the tone right away. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think what they, they raced out to a 21 0 lead, which was more or less Alabama being the bully and shoving Kentucky in a locker, like, you know, 21 zero in the first 15 plays, um, yep. in the same span, Kentucky, their first four plays, they went three and out, they turned the ball over, they had negative seven yards. Like it was just kind of like, 
you know, if you're Kentucky, you're kind of, if you're the Kentucky fans, you're probably more or less expecting that, but you know, I'm sure the coaches are probably just like throwing out their hands in the air, just kind of like, what, like, what are, what are we supposed to do? Um, you know, and even like the small chances where Kentucky maybe had a chance to kind of like rustle the momentum away, um, Alabama shut them down, right? Like there, you know, Milrow had the, the cross body interception, which was like, you know, as I was kind of going through our, our usual, you know, what did I not like? That was like the one thing about the offense that I didn't like, um, that one play six plays later, Terry on Arnold returns the favor. Right. And so it's just like, oh, okay. Like that's nothing you got to worry about. Um, you know, Kentucky scored out of halftime to make it 28, 14. And it was like, Okay, like let's let's see what Alabama does. They march right down the field and score a touchdown. It's 35-14. Um, you know, the biggest play, the backbreaker, I thought, was like, you know, Mill wrote to Prentice for 30 yards on third and yeah. 17. Um, just very, you know, the first time since probably week one, um, but probably the first time against a competent opponent this season where Alabama just wire to wire, it was like, yeah, like they're the better team, they're playing like yeah. it. And that was really good to see at this time of the year, I thought. Yeah, I, again, I think it's like there's a natural evolution of a team. And, you know, I think um, this team, which has gone through plenty of struggles over the course of the season, is it at least feels like it is peaking at the right time, right? I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I do think it's important. And you're seeing them get better and better and better each week and find ways to win. And so to have a game like this, like you said, where they just come pretty much jump or just dominate in the game, I think gives you confidence moving forward um again this not to spew any rap poison here but you have nothing to worry about this weekend they're gonna win like let's move past that but you know auburn's looking feisty these days and that game was going to be tricky no matter what and then you know what georgia did to ole miss which is one of the most dominant performances i've seen i watched that you know that entire game um i mean it was just like yeah there's some some, <laughs> some big games coming down the pike and so it's gonna it's going to take some real, um, real strong performances from Alabama to to win, certainly against Georgia, but also I think Auburn. So it's I think it's you you have to be um, cautiously optimistic, I guess, based on what we've seen in recent weeks of that. All right, they're really coming up to the right place, and you know, come uh, December second, I think is when the SEC championship game is that they might be playing their best football, and they're going to need to be playing their best football to beat Georgia. I agree. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of reason to believe that this Alabama team is still, you know, that they, they may not have put a full 110% complete game together. Um, you know, I know Saban was very, very proud about the way that they played the last two weeks against a really good LSU team and a feisty Kentucky team. Um, you know, but like, they're still kind of like you said, there's, there's small little nits that we can pick here and there. Um, you know, that they're going to have to iron out if, you know, they're going to want to go to Auburn and win that game that would keep them on the playoff track. And then obviously the big one over Georgia, which, you know, depending on how, you know, some of the results that we see over the next few weeks, that could be a national quarterfinal game, like very realistically, like that's a, you know, you got to win to at least stay in position to get into the playoff. And again, like, you know, there's not been too much shakeup, I don't think in, you know, the top 15 or so teams, and there really hasn't been a ton of it at all this season. Um, so we'll see kind of what that maybe looks like, you know, later this week with the playoff um, rankings coming out again. And then over the next few weeks, as some of these other teams maybe possibly sort themselves out a little bit. Um, but the the growth of this Alabama team, I think, is kind of the theme of this show. The offense the last two weeks has looked yeah, I, by total offense. This is I, that, that 
the two best performances of the season. It's the first time all year that they have put back-to-back 40-point games together. Jalen Milrow had 11 touchdowns through his first five SEC games. He has scored 10 over the last two. They're running the ball better. Um, Obviously, Milrow has come along both running the ball and passing the ball. The offensive line did not give up a sack against Kentucky. First time all year, like thumbs up to those guys. Um, They were great on third downs. They showed some receiver depth. Kendrick Law and Jam Miller starting to get mixed in a little bit more. What, what, What do you like about the way that this offense has come along? Not just in the way that they beat Kentucky, but just over the course of the season, it seems like they have just continued to take steps forward. And especially after the bye, this just looks like, you know, a dangerous, dangerous unit. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it seems like it feels like a combination of players playing more confidently and coaches calling plays more confidently. I think there's a combination of the two. It feels like there's, you're seeing, especially, I mean, this offense, you know, starts and stops with Jalen Miller, right? And I think you're seeing a more confident version of himself. Certainly his running ability has been, you know, emphasized within the last couple of weeks. And I think you're seeing with Tommy Reese more trust in Jalen and what he can do and best utilizing his skill set and then how that opens up other things for the rest of the offense. Um, I think the last two weeks in particular, seeing more of what I think we thought this offense could be. And we didn't have, I mean, if we went back and listened to all of our early shows, it was you and me talking over and over again, what is the identity of this offense? What is the identity of this offense? I think we finally know what the identity of the offense is. And it took a while. It took until getting to this moment, you know, 10 games into the season, but I think we know what it is. And I think it's a, it's a strong identity. I think it's an identity that can, with you combine it with what the defense is capable of, can can win you big games, can win you championships, and we'll see how that plays out down the stretch. But I just think Jalen just looks so much more confident out there um, than he did early in the season, and I think he I think he trusts himself more, which I think has been huge. And I think you can see, you know. Uh, just how that can influence the rest of the team when you're seeing the guy leading the offense playing the way he is. I think it elevates everyone's play. And I think you've seen some of those role players that you mentioned elevate their play uh, the last couple of weeks as well. No, yeah, he's he's looked tremendous. And I th- obviously the biggest part about the last couple of weeks has just been Milrow's willingness to run the ball a lot more like that's obviously opened up a lot offensively but like you've I mean we talked about it last week right joking that you know he's he's a Charizard version now um but we're still even then like we're still seeing him take steps forward like I think this week the thing that stuck out and I wrote it in the rewatch was that he's starting to beat defenses with his eyes now which is not something that he was doing you know week one um, you know, we, we, he had the deep ball, like we saw that against AM. and um, we've seen his legs come alive specifically against LSU. Um, you know, but like this week, like he is really starting to put a lot of things together. Like we saw the first touchdown to Nye Black, like Kendrick Law ran a wheel route out of the backfield and Milrow kind of locked onto him and it moved the safety and it opened up a throwing lane to Amari Nye Black. And as soon as Milrow saw the safety step, he looked and threw and it was amazing. Um, twice in this game, he used the combination of his legs and his eyes, um, and his arm, obviously to create touchdowns like the, the pass to Roydell Williams. He escaped the Milrow escaped the pocket and it drew the spy in and Roydell just leaked out and he just dropped it in there. Roydell did the rest touchdown, um, the touchdown to Kobe Prentice, same idea. Like he escaped the pocket. You can almost see when you rewatch the game, the entire Kentucky defense steps up 
and Kobe Prentice keeps running and he's wide open and Milrose sees that and recognizes that. And so like to see him put, you know, not just grow in terms of confidence, but to really like take his entire skill set and put it all together. It's been very, very impressive. Um, you know, and it's opened up the rest of the offense that they, the, they've ran the ball as well as they have the last couple of weeks. I know LSU's defense is stinky, but like this Kentucky defense is very good against the run. And, yeah. you know, Alabama went four yards a pop against them, you know, rushed for, you know, almost 200 yards. Like it was very, very impressive. Um, you know, and they're starting to get more guys mixed in Roy Dell Williams, obviously, um, has run very well all season, but Jim Miller starting to get a lot more time. Now we saw justice Haynes at the end of the game. Um, you know, how would Alabama look without Jermaine Burton? Well, Kobe Prentice stepped up four catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. Like it was, it, it was really impressive. And it's just, you know, as much as we probably want to see them spam the plays to all of their best players, um, there's something to be said about having a lot of different weapons that defenses have to account for, you know, and now that, you know, obviously Milrow was the key piece to that. It's been fun to kind of see them, you know, spread the ball a little bit. And it's like, you know, you're making the defense kind of pick their poison a little bit. Well, and I think it's important too that like you need guys to step up because you never know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know when, I mean, for Bert, it was being sick, but you never know when a guy's going to go down for an injury. And we've seen, um, you know, I'll bring it back to a couple of years ago, in the national championship game, you know, when they were down Jamison Williams um, and John Mechie, like the guys who were playing behind them could not deliver in that moment. They couldn't step up. And so feeling like, all right, Burton can't go or he's not 100%, and we can go to Kobe Prentice, we can go to Kendrick Law, we can go to an Isaiah Bond. I think it's hugely important to have those other weapons. Like you mentioned, Jam Miller has been playing, I think, pretty well the last two weeks. Um, so I think that's I think that's really important moving forward. And I think this week, you know, you want to see even more of that. You want to rest the guys who are banged up, um, and you want to see you know some of these younger guys get a chance to – see what they can do because you never know when you might need them in an important moment. You got to feel confident. All right. If we have to go to this guy, we can. And, uh, you know, again, I've seen on the biggest stage, Alabama not have that. And so I think this it's beneficial to have guys like, I, I mean, I'm a huge Prentice fan. I've always have been, I think he's underrated overall, uh, but I think he's a real good, I think he's a real weapon for them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think he's, he has shown that in the, the limited opportunities that he's gotten throughout the year. Um, defensively, I, th the defense has been the strength of this team all year. They continue to be the strength against a Kentucky team that runs the ball very, very well. Um, and then they just didn't against this Alabama defense like this. I, you know, we've been, you know, we've talked about how this defense has been championship level. And I think that was one thing that we recognized fairly early, even after the loss to Texas, even after giving up what 400 yards in back-to-back -back games against Tennessee and LSU. Like this is a defense that steps up. They make big plays. We saw that again with, you know, the Arnold pick and Terry on Arnold, you know, also forced a fumble um, fourth down stop. Um, they've been very, very good against the run. I think that was really the biggest thing that stuck out to me. They Alabama has faced five of the top 10 rushers in the SEC and has held them all significantly below their season average. Like Ray Davis from Kentucky, who they just played, um, averages 90 yards a game. Alabama held him to 26. He still scored two touchdowns, but they were both, you know, really short yardage situations. Um, Quinshawn Judkins, who has really come on late, um, you know, he's averaging north of 80 yards a game. Alabama held him to 56. Um, you can go down the line. Jalen Wright from Tennessee, Logan Diggs from LSU. The only person to really get Alabama in terms of running the ball is Jaden Daniels. And to be fair, nobody has really stopped that guy. Um, you know, he's the only athlete to run for 100 yards on Alabama. Um, you know, but then you combine the run defense with 
we've seen depth at linebacker. We've seen depth and talent in the secondary. Um, I This thought has been rattling around in my brain, so I kind of want to pose it to you. Statistically, Alabama may not be the best overall defense in the country, but I think when you take into account who they've played, how they've performed, the big moments that they've been able to produce, is there a case that this Alabama defense is one of the best in the country? Yeah, I think you can make that case. You know, I think certainly from a pure talent standpoint, I think you can make that case. Um, you know, like you said, it's you have to kind of take into account some of the opponents. Um, LSU is obviously incredibly dynamic. Um, you know, they got probably one of the best versions of Texas that that we've seen. Um, now you could say is that because the defense didn't deliver or is it just Texas was just really locked in? You know, that's hard to say to some extent. Um, but I think they are, you know, certainly upper echelon of the SEC. And I think overall, um, just from a, it's it's more not to go like old school football guy here. It's more like looks tests than like stats, right? Because their stats yeah. are not going to put them in that top, top, top level. But you just look at some of the talent out there and what they're capable of doing and their ability to get stops when it matters. Um, it does. It's. The defense you can trust is how I would put it. I don't know there's that many defenses out there that you can really trust, but there's they just have enough out there that you feel like, all right, when it really comes down to it, can they get a stop when they need one? And I think they've shown this year that they can, and I think that's important. And, again, not to just keep looking forward, but against Auburn, Georgia, like that defense is going to have to get stops, and it's going to be challenging. And especially this Georgia version with Brock Bowers back, um, I mean, that guy's just a freak and watching what he just how he opens up their offense and and Ole Miss's defense is not very good either. Um, I think plenty of Bama fans are watching that game and thinking, man, I'm happy Pete Golding isn't in Tuscaloosa anymore. But <laughs> it's, that's a challenging offense to stop. And I think Georgia, there's a misperception, I think, of what Georgia really is. But that is a dynamic offense. Carson Beck is very good. Um, and Brock Bowers is just, as I said, an absolute freak. And so um, that that defense is definitely going to be put to the test uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no. And I think I bring up the run defense part of this because, you know, it was the key to stopping Ole Miss, I would argue. Yeah. Um, it was the key to stopping Tennessee um, against a team like LSU. You're just kind of hanging on for dear life and hoping you can get some stops. And they did. Um, and against Kentucky, like the key was stopping Ray Davis. Cause if Ray Davis gets going, like he's a downhill guy, who's going to get five yards of pop and that sets up play action. And that's how Kentucky found a lot of success earlier in the season. Um, now that they've kind of gone through the meat of their sec schedule, Ray Davis has not had nearly as much success, which means the offense as a whole has struggled a bit, but you know, credit Alabama for executing the game plan, you know, to a T almost, um, the one thing I maybe want to nitpick about the defense a little bit is just that when they commit penalties, opposing teams tend to score points. Um, you know, we saw it twice against Kentucky. We saw it against uh, Texas. We saw it against Arkansas. We saw it against LSU. Like when they commit a penalty, the opposing team tends to score on that exact same drive. Um, that's not a good trend. That's not what you want. Um, but, you know, I guess to bring it back to the run defense thing, that run defense is going to have to be very, very good because you're, you're going to need to stop the run to beat Auburn, who is, you know, top 10 rushing offense nationally. And they have a quarterback who Robbie Ashford, while not a fantastic quarterback, like he has been making plays, he has been improving. Um, and he's a guy that can be mobile. And we've touched on this before. Mobile quarterbacks can sometimes give Alabama fits. Um, and then Georgia, the last, what, since October, I think it was, they're averaging north of 220 rushing yards per game. And that has really kind of cracked open 
their offense, you know, in addition to getting Brock Bowers back, like they had on Saturday against Ole Miss, um, a lot of it starts up front with Georgia. Like that's a really, really good offensive line. And the run defense has to come ready, you know, like you got to get these teams into third and long situations. You know, can you do it against the two teams left? No offense to Chattanooga, the two teams left on your schedule that you have to beat to give yourself a position or to put your, to keep yourself in position to potentially make a run at the playoff. Like that's, you know, the run defense has been very, very good. The two toughest tests I would argue are still on the way and just, you know, highlighting the importance of what they got to get done. Wanted to take an even bigger picture view, just kind of a, a really big step back. Back in September, we've talked about this before. You remember Tampa? It was rainy. It was miserable. Alabama was 2-1 and one after just a really sloppy performance, 17-3 to three win over South Florida. Um, but it looked like a team that was lost. It was very not good. Um, I think I even wrote in the, in the instant story from that game that like this team has to prove to you that they can go where they want to go this season. Since then, I feel like they have put enough consistent behavior on tape to prove that they can be a team that can go where they want to go this season. What's been the most impressive thing? What's been the most, you know, the, the biggest thing maybe that you've seen, John, just in terms of how this Alabama team went from lost at two and one to very much back at the national championship conversation at nine and one. I think it's been really fun to watch. Um, maybe not always in the moment, but now we have hindsight, so we can say that and looking back on it. Because um, it, it's, and I say that because it, there's been such clear growth and evolution. Like, again, I've, you know, been here for a while now, and I've seen some teams, you know, Alabama teams, where game one, they're ready to rock, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is, this is going to be a monster team. They're probably going to win a national championship. I, I've felt that watching numerous Alabama teams. And to kind of go where we felt after week three of like, whew, this could be one of Saban's worst Alabama teams. Like it felt like in that moment, like this team is going to have some real problems if it cannot get it figured out real fast. And I think it's, and then it's, it's kind of an almost an overplayed storyline at this point of how much Saban seems to be enjoying coaching this team. But I do think there is a lot of truth to the fact that he knows that it's, it's really taking a lot of effort to push them every single day to try to push them up the mountaintop to kind of getting to where they want to be. Um, it's, there's some teams that he has to, I feel like more keep them down uh, and more of keeping, Hey, don't get too cocky. Don't get too full of yourself. That's not what this team is. It's been building up and building up and building up. And so to get where they are now, where everything's still on the table. Um, I don't want to, turn this into a college football playoff discussion. There's some things that are going to probably need to happen for Alabama for them to ultimately make it, but they at least still have a path um, by doing what they need to do, which is of course winning out. And I just, I certainly didn't rule it out. I always felt like with Alabama, you can never count them out. And Saban is the goat for a reason. And he's very good at pushing the right buttons, but I would admit there was probably a decent amount of doubt from everyone, including myself, after that South Florida game of just wondering, does this team not only have the right makeup, but just purely does it have enough talent? I mean, that was one of the big questions I had I think, early on. Just, I just don't know if this team is talented enough. And even Saban said before the season, like, I just don't know if we have the talent to win at all. Basically, I'm paraphrasing him, but he liked the makeup of the team. He just didn't know if they were good enough. And Looking back on it, I think that was a very true statement. I don't think we knew whether this team was, from a pure talent standpoint, especially on offense, good enough to win it all. But I think now 
when you survey the national landscape, again, I think Georgia is the number one team in the country. But beyond that, I think you can make a real argument that Alabama is right up there. You know, there's not many teams that if Alabama had to line up against them today, that I would feel like now Alabama's not going to win that game. Now they might not win all of them, but you know, Washington, Oregon, Michigan, Ohio State, like I think Bama would have as good a shot as anybody against those teams. And after South Florida, I would not have said that. How does this rate, you know, Nick Saban, well, you wrote a book on him. I did. How does this rate as, you know, in terms of like his coaching job with a single team in a single season, like where would you stack this up in terms of like greatest coach coaching jobs of his Alabama career? Yeah, I'd put it at the very top. I mean, I, I think, I need to, we're not finished yet. Uh, to me, I still think that 2021 team, uh, getting that team all the way to the national championship game and being, again, you know, not to go full Texas here, but if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt, they, they probably win that game or have a very good shot to win that game. And they were winning in the fourth quarter um, against Georgia. That to me is my, my number one, um, just in part because that team had a lot of issues. They had Bryce Young, they had Will Anderson, there was plenty of talent, but. They had lost so many of their senior leaders from the year before when they went undefeated and won a national championship. And that team was just kind of wobbly all year. And look, I mean, looked really bad against Auburn and then somehow beat George in the SC championship game and then went to the playoffs. So that's my number one. But I think, you know, right now this is top three. Uh, again, just because I don't feel like it's wild to say that about a team that, that may not win a national championship, but I just think that they just felt like there were more limitations with this team. It, it's taking more effort to get them to where they are. Um, and plus, I mean, I don't think it's been talked about probably enough, the impact of two new coordinators this year. You know, certainly there were growing pains of Tommy Reese. And that was another thing that I feel like Saban's been able to, you know, manage pretty well overall these new styles and things like that to again have this team in position to do what it's possible to do but they lose to auburn and georgia to finish the year then like obviously it's going to get knocked down but they went out and they make that playoff then yeah i think you can there's an argument that's his best ever yeah no i think that's that's totally fair um been a fun first season for me just kind of watching them you know because like i'm like same boat as you i know you alluded to it earlier like usually like alabama week one there's a marquee game against you know miami or clemson or somebody and yep. everybody tunes in because it's like you know I, it's you know two top five teams two top ten teams whatever it is and alabama you know just boat racism and it's yep. just like well here we go again right you know and then it's not like i don't tune back in because it's always been fun to watch out Al these alabama teams but you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's who they are. Um, that just wasn't the case with this team. And that's, I agree with you. I think it's been a lot of fun to kind of watch them take steps, you know, as the season has gone along. It's been fun to watch the growth of the quarterback, the evolution of the offense. It's been fun to just see the defense week after week after week show up and show out. Um, and it's just, it's made it a fun little roller coaster ride because it's just not something that I think people are used to. Um, you know, whether I, I know diehard Alabama fans are, you know, they would prefer joyless murder ball 12 weeks out of the year, right? That's just what they're used to and what they're accustomed to. But I think there's, you know, when they look back, regardless of how the season ends, I think they're going to look back and maybe appreciate, you know, just, Hey, it's not just an accumulation of talent. It's like, dude, like Nick Saban with, like you mentioned, two new coordinators, you know, after how many assistant coaching shuffles, new quarterback, 
A lot of new starters everywhere. It's a very young defense for as good as they are, or at least it, they started the year very inexperienced. Same thing with the offense. Like, you know, the fact that they are back at the national championship table, you know, or at least in the discussion after a wolf start. Um, it's impressive. It's been really, really fun. Um, and I've, you know, it's, it's been a really fun story to chronicle. And, you know, like you said, still not done yet. They got Chattanooga, Auburn going to play Georgia in the SEC championship game. A lot of dominoes need to fall, I think, to help them get to um, the playoff. But, you know, to this point, it's been really cool to see. Um, and I think Alabama fans should look back and, and appreciate that a little bit because this it, it, stories don't always go this way. I know they're used to success, but this just it's this Alabama team could have very easily lost to Ole Miss, could have very easily lost to Tennessee, could have very easily lost to AM, could have very easily lost to LSU. And nope, that's. Saban won't let him. Milrow won't let him. Like it's it's been very fun and impressive to watch. Well, and not to scare Alabama fans, but like I think you need to. I think we're seeing Nick Saban appreciate the moment more. I think as he gets older and realizes it doesn't last forever. And so you know, sometimes you kind of have to take a step back and appreciate this has been a really fun run. You know, big picture wise over Nick Saban's entire run in Alabama, but just in this year in particular, like they are battling their asses off to get to where they are right now. And, you know, look at what's happening around the SEC. You know, two coasters in the SEC West just got fired one Sunday, one Monday from the same game, which is, you know, wild. And you look at how many coaches have been in the SEC, you know, um, that have lasted. Nick Saban's one of the only. Mark Stoops is one of the other ones who's been here since, I think, 2010. But, Guys are coming and going left and right. Um, and Nick Saban's a big reason why that happens because they lose to Saban and they can't compete with the monster he's built at Alabama. But for a season that at times did not look great, for a season that people I think were ready to write off, for a season that people, I mean, think about some of the hate Jalen Miller got early on in the year. Nobody liked Miller early, early on in the year for the most part. For this team to now be 9-1, and one, and have won an SEC West title for, again, a team that we don't think is anywhere close to one of Nick Saban's best at Alabama. Pretty, pretty, pretty incredible. That, that does not, most fan bases do not get to experience on a down year, still winning the SEC West and still having a very real chance to compete for a national championship. And so sometimes you got to just stop and appreciate that because again, it, the good old days don't last forever. Sometimes you don't realize that they're good old days till they're gone. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, what uh, what's I? We usually end these recap shows with a question that we have moving forward. But you know, whether it's a question or just a thought, you know, with two games left plus the SEC title game, like what are what are you thinking about this Alabama team or the the greater college football picture moving forward as they as they navigate the rest of November? You know, I don't want Nick Saban to yell at me and straighten me out like he had to if Miss Terry. But I mean, my. I just can't stop thinking about Bama Georgia in the SEC championship game already. Like, I just think that it's, I think you can make an argument. They're two of the top four teams in the country right now. I think they're both kind of peaking at the right moment. Um, obviously, there's a million storylines between Kirby and Nick. Um, so I just think that it's, and we'll talk about it plenty then. And I don't want to give away all the column ideas and things like that I have, but I just do think it's a really interesting potential inflection point for both of these two coaches um, down the line because you know if Kirby they win the SC championship they're going to make the playoff and Kirby will have a chance to be the first real program of all time to win three in a row and he would clearly have a stake 
to the you know the throne. I think he would own the throne at that point. Uh, but I think if Alabama wins, I think there's a very real chance Georgia's knocked out, even only having one loss, just because of all the playoff considerations. And so I just think that would represent a really interesting moment for for both of those two programs. Um, but you know, you got to get through Auburn first, um, and I think that's going to be. Cody, just you wait for your first game at Auburn. Uh, it is, uh, I've referred to it as a house of horrors a few times. Uh, it is such a unique environment, and there's just something about that place. Uh, we're coming up on the Alabama fans, cover up your ears for a second. Uh, we're coming up <laughs> on the senior anniversary of the kick six. And Yikes. Uh, it's just unbelievable uh, some of the moments and things that Auburn's able to do in that building. So that's going to be. Uh, a real, real challenge, and I have no doubt that Auburn would love nothing more than to spoil Alabama season. So that's that's going to be a big challenge coming down the line, too. Well, and it's not like this is a you know Auburn team that's in flux. I know that they're you know it's not the best Auburn team, but like they've won three in a row. They have clearly figured some things out. Um, the wet blanket there is that their three wins in a row are over Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. But they hung forty eight points on Arkansas, which is not something Alabama did. Yep. Um, you know, Hugh Freeze is clearly figuring some things out in the same way that Alabama's offense has figured some things out in the last few years. Like, um, you know, it's that's that's going to be a very confident Auburn team um, in the final game of the season. And we all know with rivalry games all over the country, you throw records out and it could be, you know, that's why, like, you know, I, I would not be shocked if Nick Saban continues to lay little rat traps all over the Alabama football facility again over the next two weeks, just to keep their guy, just to keep the guys on his toes. Um, you know, which is sidebar amazing, amazing little, just like peek behind the curtain into like some of the coaching tactics that he uses to just keep his players just focused. And like, clearly it worked against Kentucky. I imagine he'll probably do something small for Chattanooga. I imagine he'll do something slightly bigger for Auburn because he understands the stakes. And, you know, that's just, I love that. I thought that was yeah, really, that was really cool. great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they, I mean, they got, they still, you know, for as great as the season has been to this point, like job's not finished. Like Alabama has to, they got to take care of the next two weeks to, you know, at least give themselves the opportunity to potentially, you know, knock Georgia out, I guess, of the playoff and win an SEC title and potentially get to the playoff themselves. And, you know, even to that point, there's what, five undefeated power five teams still on the table, right? Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Georgia, and Florida State. So there's no guarantee that even like if Alabama wins that game that they'll jump in the playoff. I think it would be hard to not put them in if they beat Georgia. Um but there's still at least at least a couple of dominoes that need to fall for that. The to Texas factor is going to be challenging, um, as we've talked about. But you know, I, I think, um, and we'll we'll write about this again tomorrow um, when the next college football playoff rankings come out. But they're gonna they're just gonna need a couple of things now. Like, if they win it all, do I think they get in? I think they do, but I don't think it's it's not a hundred percent. They don't fully control their destiny. They need something to happen now. If Oregon can beat Washington in the Pac-12. Could Bama jump Oregon? I think they could potentially. Um, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. I mean, it'll be interesting, and uh, we'll debate that plenty. It's been it's. And I think Reese Davis has said this on one of those shows. Like, so rarely have we actually had real drama that final day of the rankings. There was some early on. Um, I can think about TCU and Baylor and all that. And there's been some Ohio State, Alabama ones over the years too. But very rarely in recent years has there been real question. Um, and this year is kind of shaping up to be kind of interestingly in the last year of the 14 playoff, maybe the most interesting yet of just 
lots of teams who I think have very valid claims to making the playoff. And there are going to be some very good teams potentially left out if it keeps playing out the way it could. Yeah, no, I think I, I remember hearing a stat and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but like the teams that were in the preseason top 10, I think of the AP poll, like going into this past week were favored, like of the games they were favored in, they were like 98 and two. Like there just hasn't been upsets. I think that know? was a Bud Elliott stat. And I, it is exactly 98 and two. I'm pretty sure it is a good stat. I like when Bud Elliott's yeah. this week. And we, uh, and we saw it again this week, right? Like the top eight in the college football playoff rankings did not lose. Like they all won. Um, and so it's like, you know, what's what's going to happen? When is the domino going to fall? Is the domino going to fall? I think personally the key for Alabama is Washington. I feel like once Washington loses, um, Ohio State, Michigan is going to take care of themselves. Yep. Part of the equation is Alabama having to beat Georgia. And so then that would, in theory, give you undefeated Big Ten champ, undefeated Florida State, which they could lose too. That would be another big domino. Um, but then you'd have 12-1 and Texas. 12 and one pack 12 champ 12 and one Alabama I would argue that Texas Alabama should probably be the ones in um, yeah. just one man's opinion but so the moment the moment Washington loses the door swings wide open and who yeah. knows when that'll be they got to go to they got to go to Corvallis this weekend um, and then they're presumably gonna have to play Oregon again so yeah I think we'll probably one of us will probably do a story kind of looking at like what are the games to watch the closest but I do think Pretty sure, yeah, it's Washington plays Oregon State this week, and then the following week, Oregon plays Oregon State. And if Oregon State can win, I mean, Washington's the bigger one, but if they can win either one of those, I think it really opens up the door even more. And then, you know, Texas has a pretty easy stretch. Florida State is a pretty easy stretch. Um, like you said, Ohio State and Michigan will take care of, you, take care of themselves. A lot of Alabama fans are going to be rooting for Oregon State and maybe even Iowa State. I think they host Texas this weekend, yeah, so that'll right. – um that'll be interesting so we'll see we'll see what happens we'll keep track of everything obviously but that's it for today's show john you got any final thoughts before we sign off here that's it i think we hit it that was awesome um in the meantime we'll be back later this week i'm probably going to get brett on the show because again no offense to chattanooga but uh going to discuss a little bit of recruiting alabama obviously picked up a big recruit this past weekend with zion grady um, but Brett's been all over recruiting. They had a stretch of home games through October and November, and he's been catching up with all the guys that were taking visits and all the guys that are getting offers. So going to discuss a little bit of tide recruiting this week since it's, uh, you know, maybe not as big of an opponent on Saturday. So we'll be back sometime later this week. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Uh, subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Guys, you can get a subscription for a dollar a month to start, then just $10 a month thereafter for the best coverage of your favorite team. I believe we have a Black Friday deal coming down the pike here too in a couple weeks. So be sure to Keep an eye out for that and take advantage of these deals, especially if you're an Alabama fan. Thank you again, John, for joining us on this Monday. Thank you so much again, dear listener, for listening. We will talk to you guys again soon.